Praise the name of our God. I tell you, this um, series started out to be a series in Gideon. But the more I read Judges, the more it's extending into more than one judge, Gideon. We're not going to deal too much with Othniel today. Judges, uh, the cycle of Judges, uh, chapter 3, begins with um, a generation that did not know the Lord. Wow. And, uh, you know... (laughs) He's the first judge, Othniel. But um, what is a judge, Pastor, before we go any further? A judge is uh, serving two functions, be a military leader to deliver the people from oppression or someone to help settle disputes, providing godly direction and leadership to the people as Moses was to the people of God. And um, so, so... After Joshua died, you heard that last week. Rough, rough sermon last week, but I appreciate you letting me preach it anyway. I was going to preach it anyway, whether you let me or not, but I appreciate your patience. You know, not too many people um, talk under the surgery knife. I understand when conviction hits, you know, we're not shouting hallelujah. But just hang with me. How many know there's always a victory? I said there's always a deliverer and there's always a deliverance. There's always a victory, and so when you go through Judges, it's, it's pretty rough sometimes, but uh, chapter 3 starts, Israel was doing evil in the sight of the Lord, verse 7, and uh, why are they evil? Uh, they forgot the Lord, period. They forgot the Lord. That's why we dedicate babies, right? We know that when they become of age, they will come and find the Lord because they'll know the Lord. They'll see the example in our lives, and they will find the Lord. Then we'll help train them in the ways of the Lord, as Joshua did. Let's teach our children, as Deuteronomy 6, teach your children. Put the word of God on their foreheads, on their arms, everywhere they go. When you rise up, when you sit down, everywhere you go, all the time, take it as a moment. In the morning, in the evening, at noonday, let's teach our children to pray, read the Bible. Let's, let's raise up a generation that knows God. Amen? If you want to know what Oak Grove's goal is, our goal is to raise up a generation that continues to know and bless the Lord. And praise him for the mighty things he's done. So, so I don't want to get too much into to, uh, the first um, deliverer, Othniel, because it's a short, it's a short portion here. Not, not meaning that it's not powerful, but um, you know, if we forget the Lord, we become blind to the things of God, deaf to the things of God. Are y'all hearing me? And easily we forget. Uh, that we've been cleansed from our former sins and we are no longer slaves to sin. We're, we're, we're servants of the Lord, right? And so um, God has a way of renewal. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. The people served the king of Mesopotamia for eight years. Eight years. I don't know if you can imagine how long that is. Okay? Uh, <laughs> that's a long time. After the Lord, uh, you know, blesses them and helps them get through the Jordan, Right? And uh, take Jericho, captures the lands, uh, honors his name, sets up memorials. Uh, for today, it would be like, uh, you know, the duration of the oppression is, is, is how slow people are, you know, to, to get it right. They forgot God and uh, attacked by another nation. If America was attacked by another nation for like what, uh, since 2013? If we were under siege, being attacked by another nation. Brutally plundered every week, hiding in caves and such as that. Are y'all hearing me? Just to get the Bible into your real life, that's what's going on. Israel, the people of God, are being attacked by other nations. And uh, so God, he, uh, he's doing that, allowing that, so they'll cry out to God. So God hears their cry. Is anybody thankful for the grace of Almighty God? The, the Lord hears their cry, right, and then he raises up. A deliverer, and uh, so after after eight years, um, God hears the people. Um, verse ten emphasizes the spirit of the Lord was placed upon Othniel. But listen to this: it says, "And the Lord gave Cushan uh, all these kings. You know, it's hard to say. Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand." Verse ten: Who truly was who truly was the deliverer here? The Lord. I know we've given judges a little credit here. God raised them up. And how many know we need people to be willing to be raised up to help deliver the people of God? We do need parents, grandparents, godly leaders, Sunday school teachers, Royal Ranger commanders. How many know we need leaders to be raised up 
to help us train the people in the way they should go. And, and, and so he did. He raised them up. The fact is the Lord saved the people. We don't have the power. Raised up just normal, ordinary judges, people like you and me. And I want you to get that today as we go into Ehud. He is the next judge, chapter 3. But uh, the result, you know, uh, was peace, right? Chapter 3, verse 11, uh, Israel cried out to the Lord. They repented. Uh, the 40 years, the people of Israel are able to live in peace. 40 years, eight years, they backslid, come to God, raises up Othniel. They live in peace 40 years. So when we read the Bible, you know, chapter 2, chapter 3, you know, you got to realize a lot of years has gone by. If you read the Bible, it's, oh, wow, there's Othniel, here's Ehud, next week is the next. We do it in a weekly, you know, series. Many, many years has gone by. So you don't backslide overnight, and you don't keep peace forever. In fact, let me just show it to you because uh, it's, it's a constant cycle. So judges sees uh, judgment from the Lord, right? So they sin against God, worship other idols, judgment comes, so they'll cry out for help. They cry out for help. God sends a deliverer, rescues them, right? 40 years of peace, and then sin again, judgment again, cry out for help and rescue. Sin again, judgment comes, cry out for help, rescue. That's what you see throughout the judges. And it's, and it's awful, it's awful, but but you know what? There's a way we can stop that. How many know the Lord is a deliverer? And we can repent. Anybody thankful for that? And we can have hope in God. But during the 400 years covered in the book of Judges, the nation of Israel followed this predictable pattern over and over again. And uh, they would serve God faithfully, follow strong leadership. And when the judge died, they had no leader. They would desert God again, begin to live in disobedience, worship other idols, pagan gods of the Canaanites, rebel against the Lord. He would send his judgment upon them, allow Israel to be oppressed by the enemy. After a time, Israel would repent, call out to God, raise up a deliverer. Then they would defeat the enemy and have victory. That's, that's the constant. That's the pattern. And, uh, and so this is what we see today as we're going to look at Judges 3, 12 through 30. Are you with me so far? Let's look at it. The children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. See that? So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab. The Lord did. You getting that? The Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel. Against Israel. Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. There's the reason right there. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, two more nations of ungodly leaders and work, uh, working uh, against God. And they went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. I need you to recognize that, city of Palms. Uh, so the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Isn't that something? Here we go again. So when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, sons of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. How many left-handed in here? Let me see your left hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> eleven left-handers, that doesn't make any difference to nothing what I'm about to say. I'm just saying. That was fun to do. Uh, I reckon the rest of you are right-handed. Any ambidextrous? One, two. Buckle my shoe. All right, so him, by him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So they had, to, they had to pay tribute. Can I tell you? Whatever you get chummy with, whatever you start to worship, you got to pay tribute to. It costs you to serve Satan. It costs you to serve the world. It costs you to serve the devil. You think it's free and you're having a good time? I mean, oh, you will pay. You will pay. And the payday is here. You got to go to Eglon, Eglon, king of Moab, pay your tithe or whatever to the devil. So now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length, about 14 inches, and fastened it under his clothes on his right side, on his right thigh. Remember that. For he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, him and some guys. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. Okay, so please don't, don't, don't bring it into your life personally. This is just what he was. He was a fat man. I just preach in the Bible. And when he had finished, don't get 
so touchy. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the, tr- the tribute. He sent his friends away. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal. Now, look, we didn't we just set up memorials at Gilgal just a little bit ago? I said, didn't we just set up stones at Gilgal after we crossed? Look at now what we're looking at. And said, I have a secret message for you, O king. Keep silence, the king said. And all who attended him went out from him. Those are the king's servants. They all left. So Ehud, Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. I wonder what that looks like, a cool private chamber. I'd like to know in Missouri, at camp, Jim, when it's 99 or 105, I'd like to find my cool Cool private chamber. Remember that this year at camp, okay? Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he rose from the seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand. He's left-handed. And he took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. That's, that's the king's belly. And even the hilt, the end of the blade there, and all of it went into the, uh, after, after the, the blade. And the fat closed over the blade. Don't you love the Bible? I just love this, and I can't wait to preach it. I wanted to preach it so bad that I changed my whole series just to preach this. And his entrails came out. It may get a little disgusting, but we have to preach the Bible. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked the door. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors were upper room were locked. So they said he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. He's in the bathroom. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. So, so he's not in the bathroom, but what happened is all of his, um, when death happened, he just, he just excreted waste, and it smelled bad. So the servants outside the door smelled that, so they said he's, he's in the bathroom. Are y'all with me? Because it smelled like he was in the bathroom, so he must be in the bathroom, but he was dead. But Ehud had escaped. Don't you love this? But Ehud had escaped. So the king was on the throne, and Ehud was gone, all right? And so Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syria. And it happened uh, when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. I love this part. I can't wait to get to that. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountain, and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hands. So they went down after him. Listen, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn to follow the leader. They seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. Nobody crossed over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. These are big men. These are strong men. Not a, not, not a one of them escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for how many years? 80 years. 80 years of peace. 18 years of struggle. 80 years of peace. But I, I want to talk today uh, about how to kill the fat man. One thing keeps on um, coming over in my mind when people backslide. I don't think that you have to. I don't think you have to backslide. How I many know oh, you can kill the old man? I said you can crucify your flesh. You can keep the victory in Christ Jesus. And when I see people backslide, it just cr- it cringes. I cringe because it doesn't have to be that way. Eglon is a picture of the flesh. Your flesh wants to ruin your life. And even when you get saved, listen, the devil doesn't lay down, play dead because you got saved. He has other plans for you. I said he has other plans for you. And your flesh is the enemy of your soul. Three enemies of the believer, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Right? And the flesh wants to kill you. It's out of control. It's self-indulgent. indulgent. It's fat, and it's lazy, and it's evil, and it's full of pride. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. And it doesn't want to do anything except to destroy your life, okay? So the first thought is you don't have to become a slave to your filthy, fleshly desires. 
Israel faced three nations connected to them by the bloodline. This was interesting to me. They were connected to you. Do you know your flesh is connected to you? That you have a carnal nature, you have a, you have a human nature, fleshly nature, and you have a godly spirit nature. Right? Paul tells us that in Romans 7. Said the things I hate, I end up doing. The things I want to do, I just don't do because I have a war going on in my members. There's flesh in you. You were born in sin, so you have to deal with that. Until we get to heaven, how many know we have to deal with the flesh? We have to conquer it. We have to kill the flesh. We have to kill the fat man. Somebody shout amen. All right, so this is what we have to do then. They're connected. Moabites served the god Chemosh, which was in Lot's line. Remember after Lot and his daughters, uh, his family escaped, but his wife turned back. How many know there's nothing back there to turn to? Get your eyes off of Sodom and Gomorrah and the flesh. Turn away from that. Run like Joseph did. Come on, somebody. If you're going to make it, if you're going to have victory, if you're going to stop yourself from being oppressed and driven by the enemy, you're going to have to kill the flesh. And that's what's happening here. The Lot's daughters, somehow they got their dad drunk and they laid with their dad and had two children, one Moab and one Ammon. It's in the line. And then and, and Chemosh, they served Chemosh, and then the other one, Ammonites served the god Molech in Lot's line as well. And then Amalekites served many different gods. That's in Esau's line. That's Jacob's twin brother. Esau, man of the flesh, with a feed his belly, sold his birthright so he can have some deer stew. How many know that there, there is a, a desire and you have to kill that desire in your flesh or it will eat you alive. People say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. In fact, the Holy Ghost can help you kill that flesh. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We have no strength within ourselves, right? God can strengthen us and help us overcome. But these people got in the line, and now they're eating your alive. They're eating Israel alive. What you do with you and your children could affect the next generation and the generation after that. And so, Eglon is a per- perfect picture of the flesh, full of pride. And the picture of the battle we're supposed to be fighting every day. I tell you, we are in a literal battle. We're in a literal battle for our lives. We're in a battle for our nation. I said, how many know we're in a battle spiritually for our nation? Flesh has overcome. People are making decisions. Amalek would worship uh, uh, other gods and kill babies. These gods, Amalek would kill babies, sacrifice babies to the idols. How many know it's happening right now? Baal worship, Molech worship, all these other gods were worshiping these other gods and forsaking and forgetting the one true God, Yahweh. And it's going to pay a price. In fact, we're paying it right now. And you will pay. You will pay to the king. Whatever, whoever you allow to be enthroned, you're going to pay for it. You allow some things to be enthroned in the, in, the, in the kingdom of your heart, it will come back to bite you. It'll cost you more than you think it's going to cost you. Pastor Ron, this is good preaching. Keep it up, buddy. It'll come back to bite you. The city of the palm trees, remember that? That's also called Jericho. Renamed the city of the palms. You see, Satan wants to rename your sin to make it look good. Instead of, instead of homosexuality, we'll call that an alternate lifestyle. We just choose to, you know, really, we don't really want to call it what it is. You know, we'll call it some different uh, distractions and diversions, and we'll call it uh, uh, gender. I mean, we are, we're in a battle with this, with this equality act. We better pray through. I said, church, we better pray through. You better get on your face before God and call on Yahweh and get rid of Molech and, and Amalek and all these other gods. We better call on God and stop sacrificing babies. Stop going with the foolishness of the world. Israel forgot God. And America's on the, very on the, on the precipice of bad days. And our problem, I wish I could tell you, was the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Amalekites. That's not, they always got those people. Problem is your flesh. You let it get in you. You let it in you. When it gets in you, boy, it'll get on you. This will preach somewhere where people believed it. This is serious stuff. 
You can be free from the grip of sin. You can walk in victory, but you have to fight your flesh. And this left-hander kills the fat man. Mm. It's a serious day. Jericho, which was once a fortified city that was taken down by God for the people of God. They didn't take it down by the sword. They took it down by obedience. All they did was shout and the walls came down. All they did was obey what the word of the Lord said and they shouted and they blew the trumpet and the walls came down. And how many remember the victory when you first got saved or when God delivered you from that thing you were all tangled up in? Anybody here? Could somebody shout amen? I remember. I remember when he set me free. He broke the bondage in my life. He broke the curse. He put me on a new path. The Lord, my God, saved me out of everything. Changed my cussing box. Took that out. Took this out. Transformed me into his man. Remember that day? That was Jericho. Now Satan's renamed Jericho. The palm tree place where the palm trees are relax under the palm trees take it easy sin ain't that bad jericho's not that bad listen it was a stronghold it was a stronghold but god gave you the victory now this this eklon set up his whole he set up his whole organization right there at jericho his whole administration, he set up camp right there at your last victory. And Satan, listen to me, he will set up camp right by your past deliverance. You think that you get delivered from anything and Satan's just going to walk on like nothing happened? He set up everything, everything right there. And he called for backup. Satan doesn't want you to make it. The Amalekites were like nomadic, warlike people. And, uh, man, they, they were constantly attacking and hindering and seeking to enslave the people of God and set up their camp right there. And uh, the power of the flesh. Am, Ammon uh, represents the passion of the flesh. And, and Amalek represents the persistence of the flesh. They're not going to stop. They are not going to stop. In fact, the Amalek, Amalekites, they're called the people of the flesh. Warlike people. And uh, just rude just mean and so satan desires to set up camp right where you have your greatest deliverance your flesh is relentless and because of israel's sin and rebellion they served these pagan kings for 18 years but somebody said shout but god but god raises up a deliverer ehud a left-handed from the tribe of benjamin so he's left-handed i'm not here to make fun of you left-handers god can use left-handers too you can't write as pretty as me, but he can use you. Left-handed, left-handed. You know, left-handed deal, that's, that's hereditary. I know Tori's left-handed, Grandpa's left-handed, some other people are left-handed, just goes through the line, goes through the line. I mean, no flesh can go through the line too, and so can victory. I said godly heritage goes through the line, a fleshly heritage goes through the line. You got to change that. How I many know you got to be different? I'm glad I don't have to be like my daddy was. How many glad that God can break the curse in a family? He can set you on a path and a new uh, trajectory toward glorifying God. If you'll kill the fat man, get that out of your life. He had never let his issues stop him from being used of God. So let me explain the left hand. He wasn't left-handed because he used his left hand. He was left-handed because his right side was paralyzed. His right side was disabled, so he was left-handed. Are you here now? And I want to tell you that you, you can be, all of us, come on, look at the last part. All of us have a problem or two. Look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. You got issues too. We all have issues. Everybody's left-handed in some way or another. You just, you just don't have it all together. That's why we need the power of God. All of us have been delivered from something, haven't we? We all have weaknesses. We all have vulnerabilities. We all have tendencies. We all need to break. The sin, we all need to crucify the flesh or the Bible wouldn't have told us to do so. Got to get it out. Got to cut it out. That Gilgal, Gilgal was the place of the cutting of the flesh. The circumcision, remember that? Cut the flesh away. 
Get the flesh out of your life. That's the whole deal. And, he, and, and Joshua had enough sense to make a, a memorial right there where the flesh was cut away. We got rid of the flesh. We crossed over, and we're going we're gonna to have victory. Is anybody getting any of this? God always has a person. He always has a message. He always has a plan. And Israel had to pay tribute to Eglon. So Ehud said, I'll go. And he made a dagger with Eglon's name on it. I put that part in there. I think he engraved it. Eklon, king of Moab. I'm going to kill him. You add your story what you want. I'm preaching today, okay? I put that in there because the Bible, uh, to me, a sword is typified by the word of God, a double-edged sword. How many know it's a daring plan? God's got a plan for you to destroy your flesh. I said God's got a plan for you to destroy your flesh. And just like Israel was attacked by these nations, you're attacked by your flesh too. The flesh hates your way of holiness and righteousness. The flesh hates the fact that you're serving God, paying tribute to to Jesus and not to Caesar only. Watch it. The flesh likes the way of evil, the way of Satan. So it talks about their fight with the flesh. Israel was smitten. To smite means to strike, to smite, to hit, to beat, to slay, to kill. The armies, the pagan armies, didn't come for a friendly picnic. They came to destroy Israel, and Israel was in a fight for their very existence. And I'm telling you today, America is in a fight for her existence. To who she was and who she was created to be, America is in a fight for her existence. And so is your soul. What profit is to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Right? So it's a serious fight to battle. We, we need to wake up every day. It's a serious fight. We're in a fight for our spiritual lives. And Paul describes the battle in Galatians 5, 16 through 18. I might have it up here. Maybe I don't. I'll read it myself. Are you ready? Paul says, I say then, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The flesh and the spirit are conflicting one with another. Remember Abraham? He had Isaac and he had um, Ishmael, Ishmael's not the, you know, the same blood, went a different way. I mean, we're still battling that battle today in the holy war of Islam and Christianity. Is anybody hearing me really? The spirit Isaac and the flesh Ishmael are still warring today. They cannot get together. The flesh cannot coexist with the world. And yet the church world today is saying, let's all coexist together. How many know it can't happen? Oil and water don't mix. Say, Pastor, you're not just inclusive. No, no, I'm not trying to be uninclusive. I'm trying to be truthful from the word of God. You can't play with the devil. You can't flirt with the world. You can't let your flesh take you away from the promises of God. So Paul tried to help us there. If we yield to God, we're slaves to righteousness. If we yield to sin, we're slaves to sin. That's the way it is. And so we need to be praying. We need to have the full armor of God. We need to take a stand and refuse to yield to sin in any form. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But listen to me. You're going to give in to something. You're going to give in to Satan and the tendencies and the temptations that come your way. Give in to your flesh or you're going to give in to the spirit. I say give in to the Holy Spirit. How many know we ought to surrender to God? Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the word of God. Surrender in your knees. Bow down to God in prayer saying, Lord, help me. And so, such is the power of the flesh. They failed. It's amazing. Right there. They set up headquarters in the very place they had once enjoyed victory. It's relentless. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I keep my body and I bring it under subjection, lest that it, by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. To keep under means to beat black and blue. This is no picnic. It's tough, but how many know we've got to do it? I say get the dagger, the word of God, and put the devil's name on it and kill it. In fact, the Bible also tells us how to kill it before it ever becomes anything. The seed is planted in the mind. When you think about it, you ought to kill it there. Well, I wish I had somebody to help me preach, Jess. Kill it when it's a seed. Kill it 
when it's in your mind. If you kill it when it's in your mind as a thought, it will never come to your hand as an action. Kill, crucify the flesh. Kill the thought. Cast down every vain imagination that sets itself up against God. Kill it. Kill the seed. Don't you know that's what Satan did when he tried to kill Moses as a baby? Kill the baby. Kill the seed. King Herod, Satan wanted to kill the seed, kill Jesus before he rises up and changes the world. But the devil needs to know it's too late. How many know the seed grew up? I said that little steed grew up, that baby grew up to be the king of the world, not just the king of the Jews. Man, I feel like preaching. So I'm just going to keep on going. They served these gods. That means to work, to labor, to become a slave to. Because of their sin, this condition lasts for 18 years. What? Squeezing the very spiritual life right out of them. Some of you here this morning, as your flesh is squeezing the life out of you. Like a snake, like a python, squeezing your breath. Squeezing the breath of the Holy Spirit from you. This happens every day. It happens every day. And by the time somebody gets to my office, they're ha- halfway strangulated. All trapped. All beat up and bruised. All broken. How many know sin will try to destroy your life? Got to get rid of it. Got to get rid of the flesh. Keep preaching, Pastor. You're almost there. What a daring plan it was. Ehud tells the king, he say, hey, I have a secret word. He plays on the pride. How many know Satan's number one deal is pride? That's what got Satan kicked out of the, of the heavens in the first place, pride. He said, I got a secret. How many know the devil loves secrets? Hey, hey. He loves secret sin. That's why we hush, hush, don't tell nobody what I'm really praying about. If you knew what I was really praying about, you wouldn't pray out loud. See that? Secret. I mean, when you put it as a secret, Satan will deal with that all day long. He loves the secret. Tell somebody you got a secret. See if they don't want to hear it. And King Eglon's, yes, I want to hear that. Don't say anything right now. Just me and you. Just me and you. Satan loves. Let me tell you when he's going to get you. Satan gets you when you're down. Satan gets you when you're up. And Satan will really get you when you're alone. Let everybody go, Eklong, and said, just me and you, buddy. Me and you, because you're nothing but a cripple. You are left-handed from the weakest, smallest tribe of Benjamin. You are nobody. I can be alone with you. How many know God's hand was in this whole story? Because had one servant stayed with Eklong, things could have been different. And while Eklong was on the throne, dying, if he'd have just screamed, how I many it would have changed everything? But God can shut the enemy's mouth. He died right there on the throne and his bowels fell out. And they think he's on the bathroom toilet because he smells. Because he smells. I mean, it's death and death stinks. Sin, when you see what it really is, it's not the pretty picture of a king on a throne. It's the filthy, no good death picture of a dead king in all of its waste. That's the real deal. Somebody else might tell you about your blessed life now. But I'm going to tell you, it ain't getting any better. I said, it ain't going to get any better for us. It's going to get ugly. But it doesn't mean I have to worship and bow my knee. To any other God. If I turn and burn on fire. I'm not bowing to Nebuchadnezzar. Or his gods. I'm not going to cave to the pressure of this world. I said as a preacher. I'm not giving in to this political correct system of this world. I don't care. I don't even know what to say anymore. Because everything changes every day. What I could have said last week. I can't say this week. So I just say the word of God and let it stand. Let the word preach for itself. Tell me I have to do this or I have to do that. You might be visiting me in jail. But that's okay. Seem like they treat you better there than you have it now. Let me say right here. Every one of us knows we have problems. Moses was tongue-tied, stuttered, 
David was too young. Jeremiah was too young. Paul was hated by the church. We all have a problem, but I have one question for you this morning. Did God know about your issues when he saved you? He knew already you were left-handed and from the tribe of Benjamin. He knew where I was from and what I came out of, and so did Satan. Satan knows you, but so does your God. And he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify you, fill you with the Spirit, empower you to stand up in the face of adversity or temptation. Temptation is not a sin. It's when your ugly flesh gives in to it. That's when you're drawn away. That's what James said anyway. So he didn't save you so you could fret over what you couldn't do. He saved you so you could stand up and take the word of God and stab it into the fat man. Stab the fat man. Now, after church, you come with a knife in front of me. I'm going to worry, okay? I'm not the fat man that we're talking about. So some of you made up some excuses. When he saved us, he placed the spirit us. As I say, throw away your excuses. Throw away the excuses. God can use you. He can raise you up. He raised you up. Left-handed from the tribe of Benjamin. God has a plan. He can use you. So he strapped that dagger to his right thigh under his coat. And um, everybody, the king sent everybody out. And when the time to tell the king the secret, the king stood up. And oh, Ehud went to his right thigh, pulled that, and just, he stabbed that fat man so much. That whole knife went into his big old belly, and his belly overlapped it. And the knife wouldn't come out. I think God was in it. Don't you love the Bible? This is a great story some of you have never heard. It's pretty disgusting, but it's a great story some of you have never heard. The knife didn't come back out. The whole thing's gone forever. Consumed. What a, what a plan. They didn't even search him. Why would the guards search a left-handed man who's by himself from the tribe of Benjamin? Because Satan doesn't know your potential. How many know Satan doesn't know who's really winning the battle in your life? How many know it's the Holy Ghost that they can't see that's in me? And greater is he that is in me than what appears to the world. I said, God is for me. I'm made more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Left-handed or right-handed, I don't know what, but when I come at you, I'm coming at you with the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Right? Double-edged sword is going to conquer. You tell Satan what Jesus told Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is is written would you help me give god praise for the word of god today come on give him praise for the word for the sword double-edged the flesh knows it can control you or thinks it can flesh is right the flesh forgets one important truth though forgets about the spirit of god inside of you amen my grace is sufficient for thee and my strength is made perfect in your weakness I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to get the victory over this. You're going to get the victory over this. Whatever's haunting you, whatever's keeping you up at night, whatever's trying you, testing you, tempting you, how many know you can just kill that thing? Kill it. Kill it. And if it just started, I said if it just started, it's easier to kill it when it's a seed than when it tries to grow up into a tree. Kill it young. Kill it early. This makes sense. Does this make sense at all? All right. So, it's a delivering the money. The delegation departed, and he put that sword in the fat man. All right? And then, and then it's not over. I don't think it's over yet. <laughs> Look what Jesus said in Mark 9. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Hey, this is Old Testament. Don't get freaky. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. And spiritually speaking, he's right on. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter the life maim with one hand rather than having two hands and go to hell. In that fire 
that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die, and the fire is never quenched. Rough, Pastor. Well, let's get some more of it. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter a lame one foot rather than to have two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If you hadn't been dead yet, I'm going to kill you for it's all over wet. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go and enter to the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the hell fire where their worm does not die and where their fire is never quenched. I'd rather be a one-eyed, one-hand, one-foot guy hobbling up myself up into heaven. They used to preach this way back in the day. They used to preach this way. Eglon's dead, so it doesn't matter, but Ehud locks the door of the rooftop room where they are, and they make the, it makes the escape. And the servants find the doors locked and think the king's in the restroom. That's in the King James says, cover his feet. He, he's covering his feet. They think he's in, on the toilet. Verse 24. It's gross, but then it says the dirt came out. Verse 22. means his bowels emptied themselves when he died. And then the locked the door, the odor of the chamber convinced the servants that the king was on the throne, so to speak. So they wait until they're literally embarrassed. Verse 25, they're embarrassed. The king has got some serious digestive issues. He'd been in there a long time. Find the Febreze and let's go get him. By this time, though, they retrieve the key and enter the chamber and find the king dead on the floor and Ehud is gone. I know this is probably more information that you wanted this Sunday morning. But it illustrates plainly the nature of the fight we find ourselves in every day. You're going to have to go to battle with your flesh. You're going to have to go to battle with your flesh. Can you all hear me? You can't put up with it. You have to get close to it and deal with it. You had to get close to that king, to that fleshly king. He had to death blow one time. Put it to rest. Assassinate it. Mm. No steps too difficult, right? Got to get down with it. Got to get with it. In church, we play a lot. Play a lot. We get pretty pretty little speeches, eloquent sermons. This is not eloquent or pretty, but you need it. You better get rid of that flesh in your life. I'm telling you, it'll save your life, not only your life, your kids' life, your marriage. It'll save your next, your grandchildren and their kids' lives and their parents and their, and their. Hmm. And, uh, and so it takes a fight. The, uh, uh, not over. When he had delivered, he returned, sounded the ram's horn. I just love that verse 27 and 30. There's only a few reasons why they would sound the ram's horn. They would blow it to uh, to have a festival or a guest or a king's coronation or some great event. You know that, right? The ram's horn, shofar. They would also blow the horn to signal a change of location. I mean, one of these days, we're going to change locations, Brother Mark. I said, Gabriel's going to get that ram's horn. He's going to blow the trumpet, and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised up first. Then you and I, which are alive and remain, shall forever be with the Lord. Let the trumpet blow. Let the trumpet blow. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain, the Lord said. Tell the people that the enemy has gone as far as they can. It's over. We're going to chase him down. We're going to get a hold of the flesh. And we're going to rip out his bowels. Woo! Cut that out when you edit this, okay? Woo! It's disgusting. Reinforcements couldn't get in. They blocked the way. Can I tell you how to get rid of your flesh? If you have a problem with the internet, cut it off. Block the way. Don't let any avenue for the flesh to get in your life. If you have a problem with drinking, don't go to the bar room. 
Come on, it don't take rocket science. You have a problem? You have a problem with gambling? Don't go to the casino. I'll make you a steak at home. Be better than that one. Oh, pastor's so cheap and has so much fun. And all I do is put pennies in there. How many of them pennies add up? You, you get tired of winning 50 cents. Oh, I could win a dollar. Ooh, you're tired of winning a dollar. Ooh, I could win $10,000. They'll give me a new car. It's amazing what they give away. Where do they get all the money from? You! You're paying Eklon. Y'all don't want me to preach now. You're paying Eklon. They didn't come up with no money. They're printing money in America faster than you can blink your eye. Trillions and trillions. And how many trillions before we go decide we're going to help us, Lord? If we're not careful, China's going to own us. If they don't already own us. And if you read the end of the book, how many know 200 million soldiers come from somewhere up in the North and Bear up there, Russia, China, Turkey, Pakistan, Iraq, somewhere up there. Four different nations are going to come against the people of God. Listen to me. The, the battle is, the battle is the worldly system against the godly system. That's the battle. And nation will rise up against nation. I said, how many know the time is very quickly approaching? We better open up our spiritual eyes and get the trumpet of the Lord and blow the alarm in our holy mountain, Mount Zion, and tell the people of God, cut away the flesh. Get right back to business. Get down to the altar. Get your kids in the altar. Start praying. Pull that Bible out and dust it off. How many know it's time to get yourself in the word of God? And if you have the word of God, how many know man can't live by bread alone? But by every word comes out of the word of God. You've got to finish strong. These men were, 10,000 of them, they were called lusty men. They were robust men, strong, men of valor. Very great physical strength. Powerful military. Whew. And the only way they defeated Israel because God let them. I said, don't turn against Israel. America better have enough clue, enough sense to never turn against Israel. If you do, you're going down with every other nation that goes against Israel. Online, check my phone out, check it on anywhere you can take any, call Google, call Facebook, call whoever you want. Don't go against Israel. About as political as I get right there. Israel didn't back off until every last one of the Moabites, Ammonites, and Amalekites left their country and had been put to the sword. Killed every one of them. That's what King Saul should have did. Remember that? Saul should have killed them, Amalekites. And God said, kill the sheep, kill the goats, kill, the, kill everything. Everything that baths, everything that moves, everything that does, everything that moves. Everything in your life that breathes the flesh and the stench needs to be destroyed. Or else it'll come back to get you later. It'll come back and get you later. They gave total victory over the enemy. And I just want to give you a few things. We got to finish them off for good. Chrissy, come on back while I tell them, close this up. It's 1130 and I preach my heart out. I mean, we better stand up in this last day. We better stand up in this last day. Max, this is not the day to wear your pajamas. Folks are going to Walmart in their pajamas. I saw a teenager the other day. He was 25 below windshield and they had shorts on at Walmart. Either you're mentally ill or you just don't have any clothes. I could buy you some at Walmart. What they're saying is I wear what I want, when I want, where I want. Nobody tell me I'm big and I'm bad. I'll go where I want. I'll take the gospel right into the, the uh, uh, girls' club, the men's gentlemen's club. I'll take the gospel right into the bar room. Really? You better be strong, buddy. I'm glad you have a heart to win people, but you might ought to stay outside. They have to take a break sooner or later. You make a step in there, all of a sudden, your eyes see and your ears hear and your spirit feels every wicked thing they feel. Instead of you winning them, all of a sudden, 
They're winning you. And like a in your nose, just a hook in the nose. That's what your flesh wants to do. I'm done preaching, but I got to tell you, Jesus is our deliverer. And I mean, oh, he'll give us all what we need to walk in victory. Number two, we need fear. Never fear the size, the size or the power of the enemy. These strong men of valor, the only reason they beat Israel was because God let them. And let me just tell you right now, the only reason that, the only reason that, um, that God is allowing things to go on in America is because he wants America back. God is allowing this foolishness going on in America today. I don't know if you knew that. You thought it was your vote or your lack thereof. How I many know oh, God's still in charge of America? I'm glad you made a good choice, whatever. But how I many know oh, it doesn't matter? God is still sovereign over this nation. And God's people are living in carnality, confusion, worshiping idols. And he's going to, boy, we're going to pay a price for it. The good is going to suffer for the bad. Some of the good are going to suffer bad but the only way they win is because God let them win when he gets finished how many know he's going to shut it down but never tolerate this the slightest bit of flesh in our lives kill the fat man would you stand with me time to kill the fat man you know what they say it's not over till the fat lady sings well I got to tell you why you come to this altar today to destroy the works of the flesh in your life it's not over till the fat man's dead that's my message, and I'm sticking to it. So the Lord bless you. These altars are open. You got to go, I understand. But boy, I tell you, I'd come to the altar. And if I, if I have no uh, flesh or desires of the flesh in my house, in my life, I would plead the blood over my children and my grandchildren. I'd plead the blood over my nation. I'd plead the blood over the next generation. I would plead the blood and ask God to kill the Amalekites kill the flesh. We're going to sing. You respond as the Holy Spirit directs you. Ask the Holy Ghost to help you today. Come on. Let's worship the Lord.